Hello and welcome to the Drums Leadership Lessons, a podcast that aims to speak to advertising and media professionals from all around the world and find out how they view their management and aim to motivate the people they work with and find out a bit more about the leaders that they have learned from and looked up to. I am Stephen Leptak, editor of The Drum and your host for this series. Hello and welcome to the Drums Leadership Lessons. This episode I speak with Michael Roth, the Chief Executive and Chairman of Interpublic Group uh, at his offices here on 3rd Avenue in New York. He has led the network since 2005 and is in charge of a group that employs over 54,000 people around the world, uh, including agencies such as McCann's, FCB and Mullen Mullen Law. He's also on the Board of Directors for the Ad Council and for Pitney Bowes. Thank you for speaking to me, Michael, and welcome to the Drums Leadership Lessons. It's my pleasure to be here. What a lovely office you have. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, the view isn't bad either. Yeah, okay. So uh, my first question, what, what I want to do is just go through your experience of leadership, but also try and share some of your thoughts with, with other leaders in the advertising industry. Sure. So you're here as a teacher and mentor in many ways as well. Okay. So first of all, what does the word leadership mean to you? Leadership is, 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 it has a lot of meanings actually, but the most important uh, meaning to me is that you're providing guidance um, and, and, and basic support uh, for the teams that you have working with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you're the one who sets the example and the tone. And the notion of tone from the top is, 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 is valid. And to the extent that uh, you're a leader and in a position that can establish the tone, uh, that's probably one of the primary responsibilities you have as a, mm. as a leader. And one of the reasons why I started this was um, the more I was talking to senior people in the industry, uh, it dawned on me that you don't really think of yourself as a leader when you when you go through the ranks. Uh-huh. And it's something that I think has someone ever says to you or you have to realize um, what, what do you think in terms of the responsibility of becoming a leader and when did it dawn on you that you had to be one? <laughs> you know, you don't start out by thinking that you're going to be a leader. Um, what you do, like every other person who's looking at the career, <clears throat> you look at, you know, what are your strengths? Where, where, what, what excites you? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, sort of what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, my career uh, is a little different than some of my uh, peers and certainly in this industry um, I, I wanted to be a tax lawyer uh, when I grew up um, and and I know that's weird uh, as opposed <laughs> to being a doctor or a fireman or whatever um, but you know my family uh, my father was a lawyer and my mother was a, a bookkeeper so I, you know I, I sort of was attracted to to some of that um, and Basically, my career was basically to get the best education I can uh, to support my objective of being a, a tax lawyer and, and you know, find the right positions where I can learn from, from people who surround me. And it was early on in my career that I realized that the most important thing an individual can do is be associated with people that you can learn from, who have the same moral compass that you have. Uh, and you enjoy working with and and to the extent you don't have that my advice has always been to uh, individuals that if 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 none of that fits in your environment if you can uh, you know go find it because it makes everything else 
uh, fall into place very nicely and uh, you can just focus on doing your job not worrying about what your next job is and then as you as you progress and then you're in an organization that recognizes success you realize that that's what the leaders who you're working with are doing mm -hmm. so you basically have role models that, that you follow and for me uh, I was very fortunate in terms of my career choices and opportunities and, and part of it is luck mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, you know I never I never worried about what my next career or my next job was going to be I, I actually whatever job I had I just put my head down I did what I was supposed to do I didn't let all the noise go around they just and and fortunately I was around people who recognized uh, my contributions and and help me uh, advance in terms of your career or maybe in history then is there one leadership figure that you've looked to and learned from you know I've had different careers mm -hmm. so I'd have to say there the people who I work with in my various careers all were kind of role models to me um, and it wasn't until later on that I, I saw that there's a world out there <laughs> a lot broader than my little focus so when I was going to college I worked uh, to be a tax lawyer I thought you had to have a good business background so I went to uh, Baruch School City College of New York uh, didn't have to pay much for tuition but it was a great education so I appreciated that. I had great professors. I surrounded myself with friends uh, who were like-minded in terms of career. You know, we all wore suits to school because we all had part-time jobs uh, after after school. And I worked for a small accounting firm with a sole practitioner who knew how to deal with clients. So I learned early on how important it was to deal with clients. Um, and he basically taught me client relationships, all right? So for example, little things like, uh, I remember every year, you know, whenever he would get a new car, he would, he would always get a car that was a little bit less flashy. And, and, and um, I used to say, well, why, why, why aren't you buying a Cadillac or a Mercedes? He says, if you're in a service business, uh, you never want your, you to drive a car that's better than your client because your clients are paying. And so it was a lesson I learned later on in life when he did start spending more money. Uh, I, I, I reminded him what he told me and he said, well, I'm at a point now where I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But the point is that the awareness of clients' perception of, of you uh, in a service business and your, your demeanor and, and how you live uh, is critical. And, and uh, so he taught me that and, and frankly, he was the one who got me my first set of golf clubs because he said this was going to be very important in your career. Unfortunately, he gave me lessons. He just gave me golf clubs. Um, but it's that kind of personal service. And then uh, when I graduated college uh, and I was off to law school, he offered me a position uh, he, uh, to stay with him. And I said, no, I wanted to go on to law school. And he says, well, when you get out of law school, you'll always have a position. So that was always nice to have. Mm -hmm. And then he had some clients who, who, uh, who, who were interested in my career. So I was very lucky. I didn't go with any of them, by the way, but it was good to know that it was there. So when I went on to law school, I, I worked part-time 
um, at one of the big, in those days, big eight accounting firms uh, while I was going to law school. And ultimately, that was my first real professional job. I had other jobs, you know, crazy jobs, selling hats and stuff like that. But uh, my professional job was working for that small accounting firm while I was in college and then working uh, with one of the big eight accounting firms while I was in law school. Uh, and then ultimately, when I graduated law school, uh, they made me an offer. Because uh, that being a tax lawyer, that's and so I took a job in the tax department of mm -hmm. one of the big eight accounting firms. And they paid for my master's of law in taxation, which is my next move that I wanted to do. So uh, that was how I got started being a tax lawyer. But then I was, I was well aware of the issue of uh, dealing with clients and how important that was, and it was pretty clear uh, that in my role, uh, I, I, I took on uh, the client representative very seriously to a point where one of my clients actually thought I worked for them. It was a big company. It's a company called, in those days, American Can Company. And, and the CEO, uh, was doing something, he said, gee, we shouldn't tell the accounting firm yet about what we're doing. And everybody in the room laughed. And he said, what are you laughing about? He said, well, Michael works for the accounting firm. And he had never known that, you know. So that, I took client responsibility to the, uh, finally, um, two years later, he made me an offer I couldn't refuse after I made partner at, at, Cooper, at Cooper's and Library in those days. And that's how I started uh, getting out of the tax lawyer environment and, and went into the corporate world. Mm. And, and it's there that I met uh, the CEO of uh, American Can Company, who was a fellow by the name of Bill Woodside, who was, uh, it was a Dow Jones 30 company at that time. And he was a very high profile individual. But what, what was interesting about him was his approach to corporate giving and how corporations had a responsibility to give back to the community. So he's, he was very philanthropic, and he used American Can as a platform for doing good mm. and focusing on, on issues in, in society. So that's where I, 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 I sort of got exposure to the responsibilities of leadership mm -hmm. and, and corporations going beyond just the bottom line, although it's good for the bottom line to do social good. Yeah. Um, and and uh, the rest is history, I guess. I, I, uh, I did well there and, and uh, moved on. And uh, we sold the company when the market crashed to um, a fellow by the name of Sandy Weil, who was pretty famous, mm -hmm. Jamie Dimon. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I just, you know, they asked me to stay on, and I said, no, I, I'd rather go pursue something else. I didn't know what that was. And sure enough, shortly thereafter, I get a call from one of the board members and saying, you know, I hear you're, you know, you're, you're, you're available. I said, well, I'm, I'm sitting on a beach, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and they brought me in to run an insurance company. Well, something you've just touched upon, um, changes some, I was talking to another chief executive recently about the, the responsibility of when you bring people in for their first jobs and how they start to learn from you management right. without really thinking about it. And they take an awful lot away from their first bosses. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think that's something that's considered either. When you hire someone straight out of, uh, when you hire a grad or someone who's just come straight into work, you don't realise just how much of a sponge they are. They might not know themselves. 
but they'll take a lot of it forward, and you don't think about that. No, I, in fact, when I left uh, Coopers and Library and, and, and joined, in those days, American Can Company, I remember my first week of, of work, and I had, I had done a lot of stuff with them, obviously, as their advisor, so I knew all the people, mm -hmm. you know, which was a, why I took the job, and you don't give up uh, a partnership in a big A. My, my father thought I was crazy. He said, this is your whole career was to be a partner in one of these big eight firms and you're giving it up. I was 30 some odd years old, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I remember my first week in, in, at work and I was meeting with my team, basically an introduction, and I said to them, you know, it's important for you to get out to California and meet with these people in California uh, because, you know, there doesn't seem to be some good communication going on. And, and we had the meeting and everything was great. And the next morning I get a call from an individual who was in that meeting. And I said, well, where are you? He says, I'm in California. You, 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 you told me to go to California. And that was, that was actually the first time I realized the power of, of the positions that you're in, you know? Mm -hmm. So ever since then, I always, you know, I realize when I, when I ask for something, if I'm in that role, mm -hmm. It has meaning, and people are going to react to it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people don't realize that, mm -hmm. you know. So I was, I was, I realized it early on in my career that, you know, what was a casual conversation? Yeah, I thought they we had to deal with California. Mm -hmm. I didn't think we had to deal with it the next morning. Um, but that gives you a, a learning curve on the power of the position you're in, and when you're leading and working with people, in terms of what you say and what you do has an impact. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, that's part of the learning process. Yeah, and you change lives. The yeah. decisions you make, the way you talk to uh, members of staff will change lives without you really knowing. And, and, and of all the things in my career that I, I, I've appreciated the most are uh, the people who have reached out to me, who I no longer work with or anything, who, who have commented about how much I did impact their lives yeah. in terms of not ju not just the job and the money. It's you know the approach, like you know diversity and inclusion is a big part of what I, I was exposed to. And 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 uh, when we take a position at IPG on on certain issues, uh, the response I get from a global company mm -hmm. saying this is the kind of company that I, that I want to work with. Um, because it values and what we stand for. So yeah, I, it's, it's very important. And, and that's really what leadership is about. And that is, you know, you need someone who, you know, understands uh, it's the impact of the role and, and responsibilities, uh, you know, to, to lead an organization. So I've been very fortunate to surround myself with great people. Mm -hmm. uh, you've touched on it, but one of the questions I always ask is, what, as a leader of a global company, are you doing to try and change the uh, the diversity and the equality issue? And I've heard you talk about this in the past. Yeah, I look, I think management's responsibility is to make sure, and, and certainly the leader of the company wants to assure that it's IPG is a company that people want to work for and clients want to do business with. And, and in order to do that, you have to represent the marketplace, <laughs> both from a client perspective, from a consumer's perspective, uh, and from a talent perspective. And if you don't represent the marketplace, 
you're not going to be able to respond to the needs of the clients and communicate and you're not going to be able to have access to the best talent so the focus on diversity and inclusion albeit a, a, a good thing from a societal point of view mm -hmm. it's a better thing from a business point of view because people who companies that recognize that perform better in the marketplace and I, I believe strongly that IPG one of the reasons that IPG uh, is, is outperforming our sector is because we're a holding company that clients want to do business with, people want to work at, mm -hmm. and the reason for that is they, they, they view us as a, an organization that has moral compass, mm -hmm. <clears throat> which, which is pretty, in today's environment, not a bad thing to have. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, looking back on, on your career, what is the one leadership lesson you wish you'd known earlier that you've learned later on? Is the, that I wish I had known. No, I just <laughs> you know I don't have one. I think the the the, the one that I, story that I just told you about mm -hmm. having an impact I learned earlier on. Right. I, I think a lot of people don't realize it, or, or they never realize it until later, you know, ever. Yeah. So I I think the importance of, of of being a leader and realizing the impact you have. On, on people who you work with, mm -hmm. uh, and potentially if you get to a point, like if you're lucky like I am, you get to, to a point where you can make a difference uh, in the bigger picture in terms of societal benefit uh, as well as uh, you know, individual benefits. That's a lesson uh, and that's the most rewarding thing that you can do. And fortunately for me, I surrounded myself with people who recognized that and, and shared that with me, and I learned it quite early, mm -hmm. which was great. And, and uh, that's why I say I was lucky. And I know associates of mine, you know, we, we all graduated law school together, and, and we all went to different paths. And some had, you know, more difficult time than others. Mm -hmm. And the key differential is, is, is the people you work with and, and the organization. So. It's so important that if you're going to associate yourself with an organization, that they have the same values that that you do. And fortunately, you're you're in a position to have a choice. Mm. Unfortunately, some people don't have those choices. Um, and it's also, you know, as a leader, you have to recognize that that the individuals who work in the organization have issues other than just work issues, mm -hmm. and you have to be sensitive to it and and, and understand. That that has an impact, and it bring they bring that to the office. Do you mentor anyone? Is that something you think is important? Yeah, I, I, you know, do I have an official mentor role? No, because we have a mentorship program, and everybody would want me to be their mentor. You know, whether they mean it or not is a different issue. Uh, but I pick I pick my teams, uh, and I view that as mentorship. And and one of the things I'm most proud of is I've I've picked people out of the norm for responsibilities. Mm. Early on in my career, I used to focus on the individuals and capabilities, not ju just their background and you know they're supposed to be in this job. So early on, I put people uh, in positions that were somewhat foreign to their background and put them in a, a, a pretty responsible role. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, their perspective was, was amazing 
because they get a, whole, a total different perspective of, of the job. And that's what you need. Otherwise, everyone would be doing everything everybody did last year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, or the person before yeah. them did this, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I think it's very healthy uh, to, 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 to go out of the norm and bring in talent and just focus on really smart people uh, who can add value, uh, who have the same values that you have, that approach their job the way I do, and that is, this is my job, this is my responsibility, I don't have to worry about you know, 12 other things. Mm -hmm. uh, and I surround myself with people who are this like-minded. So yeah, that's, that's, you know, those are the things that I'm proudest of. And mm -hmm. some of them are, you know, at IPG, you know, hopefully when I do retire, we'll have a successor. And that successor will be one of those individuals that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I picked on early, early on and said, this is someone who I want to be an important part of our team. Mm -hmm. What would be the one lesson then you would tell, tell our listeners? What would be the one thing you would say if you want to become a leader? Here's what I think you need to do. Have an open mind. I I I I really believe that you have to listen, and and uh, accept uh, different points of view. Too many leaders, you know, you have meetings and the decisions are already made because you've already made up your mind. And, and uh, the one thing I think I do. Uh, is I listen to the people who, who, who are around me and they add value and, and I appreciate that and, and I filter that into the decision process. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you don't have an open mind about that, then, then you're, not, you're not being a leader, but you're not doing uh, the overall uh, company any, any good mm -hmm. because that's why you surround yourself with smarter people. And, and you have to recognize that. You have to know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, I, that's one of the things I learned early on. Um, I never thought of myself as the smartest person in the room. Um, and, and that's a good thing because mm -hmm. if you ever think of yourself as the smartest person in the room, you're never going to be able to listen mm -hmm. and, and learn from the people who you have in the room. Um, so whether you are the smartest person or not, don't think you are, <laughs> okay? Otherwise, you'll never you'll never learn and, and, and grow. So I think that's a, an important aspect of it. So last question, having heard your story earlier on, what car are you driving? Oh. <laughs> I'm driving a car that I don't want to show my clients. <laughs> Good advice. Uh, thank you for joining us, Mike. No, that was no, great. It's, it's my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>